Summer is a time for journeys, and looking down this morning and up at not so many faces on the balcony, many of us are on journeys uh, across the world this morning on our holidays. Maybe some of us are looking forward to getting away on our travels, and this morning as we come to our scripture reading, we encounter somebody else who was famous for traveling. Paul was a man who had been on many journeys. And as we come to our reading this morning in Second Timothy, what we encounter is somebody sharing the wisdom that he had encouraged through his life and the situations and circumstances that he had found himself in with Timothy. And if I'm honest, of all the letters of Paul, it is probably this one that touches me the most. And so the two Sundays that I am preaching before I go on some journeys this summer on holiday, I'm going to spend some time with us thinking about this letter together. Because what touches me about this letter of Paul's is that in it we find Paul languishing in prison, awaiting his execution. We meet in this letter a very needy and a very human Paul. We get a very different image of Paul than normally comes to mind. Because as we encounter Paul in this letter, what we see is that he is not perhaps the fearless firebrand Paul who faces down Roman authorities. We see that perhaps he's not the lofty theologian Paul who wrote the book of Romans, which is considered foundational to Western civilization. Nor is it the traveling evangelist Paul who wore out more sandals than one could probably imagine. Instead, in our mind's eye, as we come to this passage, what we see is Paul alone, sitting in a cell awaiting his execution. And as he sits and waits, he conveys to Timothy his circumstances. We have read together him saying, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. We read later in the letter, not in the passage we shared this morning. But there's a second reason why this passage touches me. And it is because that Paul is concerned with his legacy. This letter has been described by some, maybe, as Paul's last will and testament. Because in effect, what Paul is doing here is handing the baton on. He's calling Timothy to take up the challenge to continue the work that he has already been about. He's challenging Timothy to say, will you keep laboring the way I have? Will you be caught up in the vision that God has shared with me and I have passed to you? Will you continue to work it out? Will you continue to lead others in it? Will you continue to instruct people in what God is doing here and now? Basically, at its core, this letter from Paul to Timothy is saying, Timothy, are you 
up for it. And this morning, as we encounter it, we hear God ask the same question of us as we seek to be his hands and his feet today. God is saying to us individually, but also collectively as a congregation, are we up for it? Are we up for the fact that we can be the people that continue what has gone before? As we look out to the side and we see our new buildings slowly take shape, as we begin to think about what we will be able to do in them, as we think about what parts of the community is God calling us to, we hear that question ring in our ears this summer. Are we up for it? So as we come to this letter, what we see is Paul writing a motivational letter. He's shamelessly pulling out all the stops, and he's urging Timothy to take up the call and the challenge. So let's work our way through the verses that Barry shared with us. Perhaps you might even want to keep the printed words in front of you and follow as we do so. Because if we pay attention, we see that not only for us individually, but collectively, there is inspiration here, but there is also challenge. Our reading opened with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Right from the outset of this letter, we find Paul affirming who he is, affirming who he has received his commandments from. It's not Paul acting on his own initiative, but rather it is Paul getting caught up in what God is trying to do. Are we, as we go about our lives, relying on the fact that it's only in the will of God that we realize the full potential of who we can be? Or sometimes are we guilty of thinking, well, do you know what? I can do this myself. I know how to do it. I know the right way to do it. I know the right time to do it. Or are we being caught up in what God is doing. Because as we encounter Paul, we discover that being caught up in what God was calling him to do had led him into the face of persecution. Not only into the face of persecution, but also to the fact that he has found himself in a lonely prison cell. But yet, Despite the situation, despite the circumstances and the uncertainty of what lies ahead for him, he knows that what he is doing is fully part of God's plan and vision and will for his life. This morning, as we look at our own lives, as we look at those circumstances, no matter how trying or how testing, can we similarly say that we know that in the midst of maybe the pain or the heartache, that what we are encountering is the will of God, not an easy thing to do. But what we also see in this reading that we have shared this morning is the depth of the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Because if we look, how does he address him? He addresses him as my dear son, my true son in the faith. 
he will go on to say further in the letter. So as Paul continues his line of thought, as he begins to build his argument throughout this letter, what we see is an apostle who is not just pulling on the heartstrings, but rather is challenging Timothy to fulfill his ministry. He's laying in the chapter that we have shared together this morning a motivational foundation. Because in verse 3 we read together, I thank God who I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. It's this longing to see his fellow disciple that is stirring Paul's heart as he sits in the midst of loneliness and isolation. It's that longing to see the joy complete in Timothy that is bringing him comfort because he knows that Timothy will go on to do much. What he's doing in this letter is saying, Timothy, remember how much you mean to me. You are my joy. But he's not just pulling at Timothy's heartstrings, as we said, but he's also challenging him. He says in the verses, in verse 5 that we have shared together, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. And what we see about the faith that lives in Timothy is that it is a faith that has been passed down. It is a faith that has been impacted by what those around him have done for him. We discover that it is his family that have encouraged him in that faith. It's people that he has come into contact with But what we see is the faith that were in those that had gone before him, Paul says, now lives in Timothy. I wonder, as we look at our lives and think about those who have impacted us, those people who have been inspirational to us, those memories that flood to mind, maybe of Sunday school teachers or parents or grandparents who taught us what it was to be a Christian or to live out our faith. I wonder what it is that comes to mind for you. But Paul is very clearly saying that that faith that had gone before was now living and breathing in Timothy. And I wonder for us today, is that equally true? But there's a challenge, because whilst that faith now lives in him, Paul is saying to Timothy, don't let it stop there. Don't let it stop there, but rather daily be about the business of making it continue to live and breathe now. Because what we see is Paul telling Timothy that he has received a gift, just as each of us has received a gift and daily has to figure out what it is to get that gift working in the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. But what we encounter, what we encounter in our reading this morning is that there maybe is a little touch of apprehension when it comes to Timothy in terms of living out that gift that he had been given. And what could it be? 
Well, we see in verse 7 that what the problem might be is maybe Timothy is a little bit timid about living out the reality of who he is called to be in Christ. And that's not unfamiliar, because time and time again as we come to Scripture, what we see is one of the most commonly reiterated, re-emphasized things is the commandment to not be afraid. How many in our lives encounter fear and then that fear holds us back from doing what we know we should. Holds us back from doing what we have heard God maybe call us to, but rather that fear just chips away at us. We're told, do not be afraid. John Ortberg in his book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat, says that fear has created more practicing heretics than bad theology ever has. For it makes us live as though we serve a limited, finite, partially present, and semi-competent God. Paul is saying to Timothy, fear is not of God. The spirit that God has given each and every one of us is a spirit of power and of love, self-control, and discipline, as we read in our passage this morning. And so Paul is issuing the challenge to Timothy, are you going to get on with it? He's saying, don't let fear hold you back. Because if you let fear hold you back, it will always hold you back. But rather, be found there. Turn up. Be present. Live it. Do it. Live with the end in mind. Because as we see Paul in this passage in prison, we see a man who is still fully committed to living out the challenge of Jesus' call in his life, but also empowering others to do the same. Because what we see in this passage is that when God shows up and we stick our necks out on the line, great things can happen. So this morning, we ask ourselves, are we prepared to do it? When we sit here, when we stand to sing, when we pray together, that's great. But it doesn't stop here. As we were thinking a couple of weeks ago, it has to continue from inside these walls to outside them. And the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, are we bold enough? Are we courageous enough to simply stick, stick our necks out on the line and see what God is calling us to? Or are we going to let fear hold us back? This morning, the challenge is clear. The only thing that's uncertain is our response. May we be bold enough to live out the response we know we should have, to see God's kingdom furthered here and across the world this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to Scripture, once again we see time and time again that the words really do challenge us, that they cut to the core of who we are and where we think we could be going in life, and rather call us to a vision of what you would have our lives look like and be. 
And so we pray that as we think about this passage this morning, as we go from here into the days that lie ahead, that we would think about those situations and circumstances that you're calling us to be brave enough to stick our neck on the line for. That we would hear your leading and your guiding. That we wouldn't rest on the laurels of the past, but that we would see the challenges of the future. That we would see the people that you would want us to speak to. That we would see the people that, might be you, that you may be calling to be part of your community here. That we may see the challenge of being your people in the diverse city in which we live. And that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation or where it leads, that we would know that your hand is always on us, that you are always urging us on and encouraging us to be the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.